Our Heavenly Father, we give you the glory because you are God. Thank you for this privilege to be in your presence again this morning. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for every one of us as individual, as families, as a church. We bless your name, Father. We give you all the glory. Be exalted in the name of Jesus. Sweet Holy Spirit, we've come again before you this morning. We pray that you teach us all in the name of Jesus. Open your word to us. Open your heart to us. And speak to every one of us, including myself, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Can you welcome somebody to church this morning? Just welcome somebody to church. You're welcome to church once again. You can have a seat, please. Um, I want to bless God for this wonderful opportunity to speak to the people of God this morning. It's a great privilege, and I do not take it for granted. And I also want to say a very big thank you to a pastor for this wonderful privilege. I am humble. I do not take it for granted. And I pray that the Lord will speak to every one of us in the name of Jesus. By the grace of God this morning, I will be sharing with us on the um, topic that says, Defending the name of Jesus. Defending the name of Jesus. But before I go into that, during the week, um, Holy Spirit gave me specific statements for us. So I think I will first deal with that before I go into the um, message. There are four very important um, statements the Holy Spirit gave me, and I would like every one of us to listen very carefully. The first statement, we are a growing church, but we are 1,000 times bigger on the inside than on the outside. We are a growing church, but we are 1,000 times bigger on the inside than on the, answer, on the outside. So he's telling us that we should be ready for mighty works. So the Holy Spirit is telling us this morning that we are a growing church, but the capacity we have, we are a thousand times bigger on the inside than on the outside. So you will not be surprised when only 11 apostles after Jesus Christ left this world. You could imagine what 11 apostles did for the sake of Christ. Imagine the number of people they led into Christ. In other words, it is not the number that matters. It is the capacity that is in us. And I do not want every one of us to take this thing for granted. Because the Holy Spirit was telling me that there actually very there are many more things we can do as individual, as families, even as a church, than what we 
we can imagine. There are many things we can achieve. There are many things we can do. There are many miracles that we can perform. In as much as we are in Christ and we've taken on that identity. So please, that's the first statement and I want us to take it very serious. Number two. He said, as we are striving to achieve physical goals, also strive to achieve spiritual goals. I'm sure if I ask every one of us now, we have our 10 years plan on the line. We have what we want to achieve in the next five years, next 10 years, and I can bet it with you. I am 98% sure that if you draw your 10 years plan, if you bring it to the church, 90% of those things are the things you want to achieve physically. Things you want to achieve as a person, as a family. But Lord is telling us this morning that we should also have spiritual goals. Like myself now, I used to tell God that I want to do that I want um, something money cannot buy. You know, so something money cannot buy, for instance, I'm still praying to God, and I know very soon something is, something is springing up very soon because that was the convictions I have in my spirit. When the Bible says, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be granted. That statement was powerful because I did not need to worry about what I will eat or what I will achieve in the next 10 years. Because I know those ones, they are like add-ons. They are additives to the things that we get in God. So normally, we should not even be praying for God give me money God give me this God give me that because there are things that should naturally be our portion that is why to me I believe that miracles are for those that do not really know their place in Christ because everything that has been given to us the day you give your life to Christ all these things should be, should be normal things to you. You have a headache, you pray to God, God healed you, should not be a miracle to you. It should not be something big to you. But you know, many, many Christians have, um, we, we, we don't really understand these things. That is why when some things happen to us, you know, it turns out to be, of course, we should always give God the glory for everything. But the truth is, there are some things that they are, they are meant for us. We are children of God and we should naturally have access to these things. That's number two. So as we are striving to achieve physical goals, please also add spiritual goals. What do you think you want to do spiritually in the next 10 years? Do you think you can finish the Bible 10 times in a year? Do you think 
you want to be able to pray for the sick and instantly the sick gets the results. Those are goals that we should also add to our other goals. Because to me, I count those ones as other goals. But the, the, the most important goal here is the spiritual ones. And that is what we are called to do. Number three, the Holy Spirit says, whatever spiritual journey brought you to where you are today, never depart from that track because you are not there yet. Whatever spiritual journey brought you to where you are today, never depart from that track because you are not there yet. You know, it is funny that many Christians, when we pray for something and God answers, then we stop praying because God has answered. You know, I was a victim of that too. Sometimes last year, you know, before I got my job, I used to do like two hours Bible study every day. I was, I was praying like maybe 45 minutes, do three hour studies because I was trusting God to get me a good job and all that. Now the good job came, the two hours became 15 minutes on the train. It became five minutes prayer. Once I wake up like this, thank you for that because you woke us up. Two minutes straight to the bedroom from that on the train, do your studies, 15, 20 minutes, I'm done. That is it for the day. Until the Holy Spirit just came and said, well, <laughs> you know, so many of us are actually like that. Once we get that thing we are trusting God for, then we relax and say, yes, we have gotten there. But the Holy Spirit is telling us this morning that we are not even there yet. We are not there yet. And I want us to take that very serious. And the fourth point is to remind us again that heaven still remains our most important goal because it's, um, it's, 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 it's appearing like many Christians have forgotten that there is a place after this, after this world. Like there is, a, there, is, there, is, there, is, there is a kingdom that is beyond the kingdom of this world. So I'm bringing it to us again this morning to remind us that there is a place after this place. And that place is the kingdom of God. Please, I want us to put those four things very important. And I want us to hold it very dearly. The Lord bless us in the name of Jesus. So this morning, quickly, I will be sharing with us on defending the name of Jesus. And quickly, can we open to John chapter 18? John chapter 18. Please, when I call um, scriptures, if you can, if you are able to get them before me, please, you can always read. John 18, 4 to 11. Okay, I'll read from here. John 18, 4 to 11. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. 
As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he, saying, you guys, you are not deaf. I told you initially that I am he. And I'm telling you again, you've come for me, then this is me. So he said, I have told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. He's referring to the, to the disciples. That the saying might be fulfilled, which he spake, of them which thou givest me, have I lost none. Then verse 10. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Marcus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword unto the shed. The cup which my father had given me, shall I not drink it? The cup which my father has given me, shall I not drink it? You know, it appears that um, men have tried at different times to defend God, to fight for God, to carry big chests and say, yes, I would die for this person. I would do this for this person. You know, that was, that was, that was the exact Simon Peter. Simon Peter was so zealous that he told Jesus, even if you are going to the prison, we are going to get there. You die, I die. You know, so many times, many, many um, people have tried to defend God, tried to fight for God, tried to um, carry big chests and say, yes, we would defend this man. But in reality, they were unable to. Simon Peter, for instance, after saying, I will follow you to the prison, I will follow you everywhere, and immediately they, they arrested Jesus. You know, Jesus told him that he would deny him three times, and you know, the first one, the, the first person came and told the person, oh, this person was also part of them. He denied, oh, no, 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 I'm not part of them. So, in essence, many times when we say we can defend God, we can fight for God, in reality, we, we don't have the capacity to defend God. But, we have all it takes to defend the name of Jesus. You can't defend Jesus, but you have all it takes to defend the name of Jesus. The day we gave our life to Christ, that day that you said, oh Lord, I'm here for you. Take my soul. Take everything I have. I surrender all. Be my Lord and Savior. That day, you already signed that contract. Say, you would defend the name of Jesus. That day, you already said, no matter what, in sunshine, in the rain, I will defend this name. So, we have the capacity, we have everything it takes to defend the name of Jesus. But no man has the ability to defend God because God 
can fight for himself. God can defend. God is enough to defend himself. God is, remember when um, Jesus was telling you people, I mean, telling them, saying, I laid my life down because I wanted to. I could ask legions of angels to just come and just clear. In fact, it, it doesn't even take more than three angels to clear all of them. You know, but because the will of God must be done. So Jesus said he laid his life willingly for them to take. So to tell us that, Mr. Man, you can't fight for this. this you can't defend this man because you don't even have what it takes to defend him. Remember when they were going to crucify Jesus, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Martha, all of them, all the apostles. There was nothing they could do. There was, if they had tried to do anything, they would just kill them in that same spot. And it doesn't, it doesn't cost God. That was, that, was not, that was not the intention of God. Because God, in the, in the will of God, Jesus must die for our sake. So, you trying to, um, to, to, to amend the will of God, you trying to defend Jesus or, or trying to defend God is not necessary in that word. The Lord bless us in the name of Jesus. And also, when we defend the name of Jesus, there is always reward for us, both in this world and the world to come. When we came into Christ, we came with all fullness. We came with everything that God has promised. So, in this world and in the world to come, that is why we should, we should, be, more, we should be more focused about um, the kingdom to come than the kingdom that we are in. Because the kingdom that we are in, it is temporal. But the, the, the kingdom that we are going eventually is eternal. You spend maybe maximum 100, 120 years. In fact, by the time you reach 100 self, nothing, nothing pleases you again. You won't eat as much. You won't eat the number of chicken you want to eat. You can't drive. In fact, at times, you just say, I don't want to go anywhere. Let me just be in the house and just be looking at the flowers and the beds. You just stay. And, you know, that is, that is because... This world is temporal. There is, there is a limit to what we can do. But in the kingdom to come, it is, limit, it is limitless. So when we defend the name of the Lord Jesus, we have rewards both in this world and in the world to come. You know, and there is, there is you know, the name of Jesus itself is... It encompasses everything. Through the name of Jesus, there is salvation. In the name of Jesus, there is healing. You can't perform miracle without the name of Jesus. It, is, it, it cannot work. Because the Bible had already told us, in my name, you will cast out demons. In my name, you will heal the sick. In my name, you will do this and that. Salvation. The Bible says that no other name can save us except the name of Jesus. So the name of Jesus is so it is it is so 
It is like an open check. Imagine Bill Gates just comes to this church and say, I give you this bundle of check. He has already signed everything from page one to the end. Just said, guy, take this. So you go to the bank tomorrow, you go to Barclays tomorrow, please give me 10,000 pounds. You take it. That is for salvation. So the name of Jesus is like open check. You go into the bank today, you take salvation. You go tomorrow, you take healing. You go tomorrow, you take miracles. You go tomorrow, you take blessings. So it encompasses everything, everything in this world. Everything is, it is embedded in the name of Jesus. So as, as, as Christians, we must first of all maximize that name. You know, it is something you know, it is something you are very much acquainted with that you can, that you can actually defend. You can't defend what you don't really know what it is about. You can't defend what you don't know the usefulness. You can't defend what you are not sure of the outcome. You can only defend what we know, what we are very used to. And that is to say that we need to maximize the name of Jesus because everything is embedded in that name. Everything. What there, is, there is nothing you need in this. It is, the Bible was so clear that everything we need in this world, you, you can only get it through that name. That is why the, when um, the evil spirit was, was speaking to um, those, those people that were, yeah, such as saying, um, Jesus, we know, Paul, we know, Peter, we know, but who are you? It is because, you know, they were saying in the name that Paul and Peter preached. They don't even know the name. So it was difficult for them to to understand how the name works. When Peter and John were going into the temple and they saw the lame man at the beautiful gates, they told the guy, Mr. Man, gold, silver, we do not have. But what we have, we will give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Immediately. It is, if they had said... In the name of Paul, in the name of Peter, rise up. The guy just look at them like this. What, is, what are these people saying? Because the name of Paul and Peter carries no weight. The same, the same, the same reason to say our names do not carry any weight outside the name of Jesus. So, in other words, we must learn to use the name of Jesus as our surname, then our own name as the first and middle name and whatever. You know, the Lord bless us in the name of Jesus. So, um, it is very easy, although let me say, it is, it is not so easy to defend the name of Jesus because there are some hindrances. And, the first instance, I mean, the first instance I will talk about is, I wrote it here, I said, many Christians do not really know Jesus for who he is. Let's go to Acts 17, 22 to 23. 
if you are there, please, you can just help me. Acts 17. There was something Apostle Paul did. Acts 17. Okay, I think I'm there before you. Verse 22. I read. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars, of Mars Hill, and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him I declare unto you. The question today is, do you really know Jesus for who Jesus is? If you do, how much of Jesus do you know? What do you know about him? You can only defend what you know. You can't defend what you don't know. You know, um, the people of Athens, I think they are, they are philosophers, you know, so they, they like to go into research. To me, I, I actually think they are open-minded because if you notice, most researchers, they are open-minded because they want to learn. They want to see other discoveries. They want to see new things. You know, so they were just worshipping one God to them. It, it, it was just like a deity or something. It's okay, at least they've been saying God. So they just put, it, they just put that inscription to an unknown God. Yet, they were worshipping him. Which means... Many, many, many Christians are actually like that. We don't, we, many Christians don't really know God for who God is. They don't know God for who God is. They can't, if they ask them, what do you know about Jesus? How much of God? Sometimes it is not the theory. Sometimes it is the practical. What practical experience of God have you seen? Where, what, what, what testimony of God can you give? What experiences of God can you table before us? How many times has God saved you? How many times has God given you a vision? How many times has God done many things? So, many Christians do not really know the God the worship, and that is one of the hindrances to defending the name of Jesus because you cannot defend what you don't know. You must know before you defend. You know, I remember when, um, when we were in school. I'm sure many of us can, can relate. There are some courses that you would do that you would tell your friends that let them go and mark this script in heaven. I must get A in this course. Say, let them give all the professors in our department. This course, so, because you know, what I do personally is, after each exam like this, <laughs> I'll go back home. I'll, the, the questions one by one, 
I know where I put full stop. I know where I put comma. I would go back and, be, and bring my notes and be checking. Oh, ah, I didn't write this one. Oh, I wrote this one. I will be marking myself already. So I already have an idea of the kind of scores I'm expecting. Do you understand? My very good friend. <laughs> so we did one cousin, 400 level. We were, I don't know, I think it was 300 level second semester. We were both um, working to get a first class. Though we didn't get it eventually though. But second semester, 300 level, we were, we were still on very strong four point something, very strong. So we were striving to get a very high GP so that we can boost our CGP. So there was one course, three units course. So um, my friend, my best friend in school, the, 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 he, he had E in that course. And you know what E can do to your results? <laughs> you are aiming to get the first class and somebody gave you E. Just forget about that dream. There's no dream of first class again. So, he had E, and after the exams, you know, we used to cross-check and see, okay, what do you write here? No, I wrote this one. Ah, I don't write that one. You know, you, you try to um, check your, your intended scores with your friends. So, the guy had E, and was like, no, this is not my score. I know what I wrote. I had B. He had E. I said... Because, and then it was like a competition. <laughs> if you score B, I'll be expecting nothing less than B in that course. That was, very, that was how tight the competition was between myself and himself. So we always push each other, I mean, each other to be the best. So he had E, and it was like, no, this is not my scores. I said, well, what do you want to do? He said, you will go and meet a professor in our department. I said, wait, you want to challenge Dr. Kinika Kinika that this is not your score? Ah, guy, you are gone. He said, no, I will challenge. Ah, in no way you, you want to challenge scores. <laughs> you are gone. He said, he knew what he wrote. Lo and behold, he went to that professor and he told the man that this was not his score. The man asked him, are you very sure? He said, yes. <laughs> you know, the lecturer was a doctor. So the professor, you know, of course, higher rank can easily say, um, check that script and remark it. So that was how the woman now remarked that script. My people, the guy actually had A in that course. <laughs> The guy had A in that course. They gave him um, 40E. Yes, 40E. But unfortunately, I think it, it was when they were recording the scores. That was where the error came from. So the guy said, no, I know my score. I cannot get E in this course. That was how the guy challenged. And the guy got 70A. You know, I was a bit saying, ah. It should be B. It should be B. <laughs> you know, because of the level of competition, I was just saying, no, it has to be B. It is B, you know. But the guy had A in that course. If you can only defend what you are sure of, you can only defend what you know. 
You can only defend something you can, you can lay your life on because you know. But today, many Christians cannot defend the, the, the name of Jesus because they don't, really, they don't really have that experience. They don't really know him for who he is. The other point is the power of flesh. Galatians 5.17 I was checking pastor's status yesterday and I was like, pastor has peeped into my note again. Galatians 5.17 If you are there, please, you can help me read. Galatians 5.17 Yes, please. Before now, until Jesus comes, our flesh will always fight against our spirit. Till Jesus comes. There is nothing we want to do for God that the flesh will not hold us back. It is, it is, it is, it is sacrosanct. It is normal. So, sometimes we don't really need to feel bad or feel guilty because we are finding it difficult to do some things out of the flesh. Because the flesh will always lost after the spirit. There will always be that conflict. So many times when we want to defend the name of Jesus, we want to preach to people, something will just hold us back. You know, yesterday, I wanted to yeah, so I, I went on evangelism yesterday. So before I left the house, it started to drizzle. Actually, I should, have, I should have done that thing for a very long time. But I've been postponing. You know, there are some things that you want to convince yourself. Say, until the Holy Spirit shows me this thing clearly, I will not do. Until God comes in my dream and say, guy, go out and do this thing. You know, so it was drizzling, and I was like, ah, this rain will not allow me to do what I wanted to do. But thank God my spirit overcame the flesh. Otherwise, I would have I would have just I would have sat sat back. And the thing God eventually did yesterday, I wouldn't have been able. I mean, I wouldn't have been opportuned, because I think it was a privilege, I wouldn't have been opportuned to do that. So many times, our flesh, something would happen. Sometimes, you want to give to God, something will just strike you and say, guy, have you paid your rent for, pay two months rent ahead, or do these things, and it is not easy to do things for God. Is the truth is, it is not easy because we are flesh. And the flesh will always fight the spirit. We must come into an understanding, into a realization that we are people of the spirit and not people of the flesh. We are, since we gave our lives to Christ, since we turned to God, we became born again. We subject, we are subject to the spirit and the will of God. So, in order, 
another um, sense, we've buried the flesh to elevate our spirit. The Lord bless us in the name of Jesus. Another thing that also can hinder with defending the, the name of Jesus is fear and intimidation. Second Timothy 1 7. If you are there, please help me. Second Timothy 1 7. Fear and intimidation. Okay, I'll read from here. The Bible says, For God had not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What has the Spirit of God given us? Power, love, and sound mind. Not fear. Imagine if um, Daniel and the Hebrew men were, were fearful. They wouldn't have achieved what they eventually achieved. Assuming they've also remained um, coward like other people, they wouldn't have done the kind of things they wouldn't have turned that nation to God. So many times fear is a very big hindrance to we defending the name of Jesus. Many times the Spirit will tell us to speak to that person but just say, ah, I don't know if this person will slap me or something like that. I remember when I used to in Nigeria, when I used to still go to work in public um, transport, and the spirit would tell me, preach in the bus. Ha! Yellow bus. Lagos. The spirit just say, preach. Preach in the bus. Sometimes, when you look at the people around you, they say, ah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, many times we just, the fear, the fear alone, has already killed that spirit. The fear alone has already killed that motive. So we should always pray for boldness. It's actually very key. Somebody said that when fear knocks on your door, send faith to answer. Whenever fear is knocking on your door, you don't have to go and open the door. Send faith to go and open the door for, the, for fear. In other words, when fear comes, attack it with faith and say, yes, God, I achieved this, this, and this, and this. That is, that is one quick way to overcome fear. I'm actually trying to rush because of my time. Also, now, how can we defend the name of Jesus? And the first thing that came to my mind was if we are asking how can we defend the name of Jesus the first thing we have to do is we have to model Christ first because defending the name of Jesus is we expressing the nature the character and the, and the power of Jesus so if you are saying, how can I defend the name of God? I mean, yes, God, Jesus, they are the same thing. How can we defend the name of God? You must first, I mean, understand who Jesus is. Model him. 
So when we, when we defend Jesus, we are expressing his nature. We are expressing his character. Like mommy thought sometimes ago, saying, what would Jesus do? Which means in every situation you find yourself, always picture Jesus in that, in that situation. What would Jesus do in this situation? What would Jesus do if, if he meets somebody that is not saved? What would Jesus do if somebody is sick? What would Jesus do if he's trust? Even when Jesus was trusting for anything, he would always call on his father. Because he says, I can but of myself do nothing. So we would always make reference to his father. So we should always picture ourselves in that light. We must always model Jesus to people. We expressing the nature, the character, and the power of Jesus. And the first way by which we can defend the name of Jesus is by your good works. First Peter 2, 11, 12. First Peter 2. If you are there, please, you can help me read. Okay. I'm there before you. I read First Peter 2, 11. The Bible says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation by your good works. The, 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 the easiest way to defend the name of Jesus is by our good works, by our lives. You would think you are the most important person somewhere until God shows up another person. Then you'll be humbled. Daddy was saying it this morning that many, many people actually think they are the most important in a place or in a setting. My dear brothers and sisters, we are not that important too. We are not. The Bible says, I will raise stones. <laughs> you know, I said I went for evangelism yesterday. <laughs> I learned something yesterday. Eh? So, before leaving the house, I was just praying in the Holy Ghost saying, God, Direct me to where I should stay because I went with our flyers. Then there was this banner I did. So I went. I don't know exact place to stay, but as I was going, I just said, ah, okay, there was a place there. So immediately I got to that place, I saw some people already um, preaching. So I was like, oh, I didn't even say anything. Their lead pastor just came to me and approached me and gave me their flyer. As he was giving me their flyer, I gave him our flyer too. So we exchanged flyers. So I was like, oh, this is beautiful. I said, yes. Oh, he said, 
How long have I been doing this? I said, this is my first time. <laughs> Holy Spirit has actually ministered that to me since, you know, during our early, um, during that January seven, I mean, seven days praying in the Holy Ghost, the pastor said we should be writing whatever the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit has told me since that time that, Alaye, you have assignments in this. I was like, no, not yet. Since January till yesterday. Not, not only me, Abby. So imagine since January till yesterday. So I just, it was, you know, it goes to a point that I was like, there was no excuse for me. Because when I stand, it wasn't that I did not hear. He has spoken to me times without, with signs. There was even a sign, <laughs> Holy Ghost. There was a sign, there was something he told me specifically, and I told my wife, I said, God said this, this, and this at the same time. And the truth is, they are all happening at the same time. To confirm that those things were genuine. So, um, when I got there, I, was, I already told myself I wasn't going to stay in this place because I'm just meeting these people for the first time. So, I don't know the kind of doctrine they know or something. So, I was like, I will go and find another place to stay. And I was about to leave. I heard that word very clearly. Stay. I was like, stay. Okay, so I stayed for a few minutes where I was talking with the pastor. We were, were just having a chat, okay, about the gospel of Jesus in this nation and all that. We were just having that conversation. And I just saw that pastor's first first son. First, the boy was maybe five or six years old. Six years old. The boy just took the microphone and just started preaching. Six years old boy. Six years old. What was saying? In the name of Jesus, we come to you. The people of Leicester, this and this. John 3, 16. The Bible says I was and since January, that's God has told me. Me, I'm just coming. I'm just coming today. And I was like, six years old boy. If you see the way I was hugging that boy yesterday, I was just hugging, hugging. Because I was, um, that was the last thing I was expecting. Immediately, the boy finished. There was another girl, maybe seven years old. The girl she just came. The people of Leicester, this and this and this, just started preaching. Ah, I was like, wait, what is going on here? The pastor said, yes, that's their children, um, children unit that they teach them this and this. And if you see what those small, small boys and girls were saying, if you think you are very important, please erase this from your head. Erase it, erase it. If you think the world cannot exist without you, Spit it out. If you think the word of God will not continue because you are not there, for, see, forget about it. I was, I was humbled. I, I told my wife, I said, I cannot just, I was just hugging that boy. So, immediately they finished, I was like, no, okay. I'm not leaving this place. So, the person I saw my banner was like, oh, they actually forgot their own 
banner can i use like oh okay and i placed the banner i brought i placed it there then all of us were just sharing um tracts you know giving to people so once if you are led to preach you go to the microphone nobody was telling those boys to go and take the microphone they were just going there pick the microphone up and just preaching it is not only ABC that you teach that you should teach, um, teach your children. Teach them the word of God too. It is very key. Sincerely, it is what you know that you teach though, because you yourself must know before you teach your children. So, in other words, you must first know before you teach. So, if you think you are very important and say. Nobody can exist without me or nobody can do this because I'm not around. Ah, forget about it. Please forget it. If you think you are the, you know, I, I used to feel myself sometimes. There was a place I worked in Nigeria. There was one person back I worked. I was the only research analyst there. So, I used to feel very big in that place because I was the only research analyst. So there is nothing that has to do with maybe equities, valuation, and all that. You have to come to the analyst to tell you what the markets will do. So I always feel that important and say this and this and this until I had um, an operation that they had to cut my... So I was out of work, I mean, out of office for, for like a month plus thereabouts. So I was thinking, ah, how will my office survive without me? My people, they survived without me. I was thinking I was that important and said that they survived. In fact, they made more money when I was not there. I'm telling you, to, to, to we'll show you that where, where you think you are, the, you are the alpha and the omega. Ah, please. Please, correct, just, just delete it in your head. The Lord bless us in the name of Jesus. Also, by displaying your good works, we are like, we are like God's DP. We're like, we're like God's display picture. God wants to show us to the world. God wants to use us as a template for people. In your place of work, in your school, in your business, we must always portray Jesus to people. You know, my boss has work here. Every Friday, she always asks me, Hi, Ola. Because in, in my office, they call me Ola Likon. So, Ola, Ola, Ola. You know. So, it should be like, Hi, Ola. Um, what's your plan for the weekend? <clears throat> and I'll be like, um, Saturday, I'll be home. Sunday, I'm going to church in London. She'll be like, Church in London? We have to travel from Leicester to London. I said, yes, I'll have to travel every Sunday. She said, really? You know, to them, weekend is like going to stadiums to watch football, going to watch us race, going to, you know, so weekends are for, so they were expecting every, everyone in the office to also have the same kind of weekends. So when I, so there was even a time I posted something in my status and she commented, I was actually very happy because it has to do with, I can't preach 
gospel in my office. And old man can say, you people accept Jesus is not possible. But the thing is, by my way of life, you know that this guy is a Christian. You will know by the way this guy relates to people, this guy is different. And that is what God is telling us this morning. By your works, you are the DP that the world wants to see. We are representing Jesus in this world. So our lives must reflect the glory, the power, and the grace of God. The Lord bless us in the name of Jesus. Another way to I need to rush now. Another way to defend the name of Jesus is by remain unbeatable during trials and temptations. The truth is, trials and temptations will definitely come. One of the ways we can defend that name that we've believed in is by remain unbeatable. The Bible already told us that in this world, we will see tribulations, we will see trials. I won't speak too much on this because pastor has already taught us on faithful, win- uh, faithful witness. <clears throat> and if you check series 4, it talks about temptation. So, I'll just refer us to that <clears throat> message. So, we must remain unbeatable during trials and temptations. And like pastor said, then, temptation is a test of your convictions. You know, all of us must pass through trials. The day you signed that contract and said you want to give your life to Jesus, the whole world is against you. So don't think you are you will not face any trials or temptations. Trials will come, temptations will come. So we must never give up. Like Pastor said again, that at the threshold of faith, we must never give up. And the truth is, we don't even know the threshold. So, which means at any point, you cannot give up. It is something you know the, the, the maximum or the, 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 the length that you can measure. But something you don't know, it just, it just keeps going and going. So, we must never give up at any point. And the last point I will mention is witnessing. Reaching out to people. Evangelism. That is one thing we are called to do. Either you witness by your way of life or you witness by sharing tracts or you witness by preaching to people. Whatever means you can witness to people. It is, a, it is, it is, it, it is one of the biggest mandates that we have as Christians and we must not take that lightly. We must also reach out to people. We must reach out to those that are yet to be saved. And the Lord will bless us in the name of Jesus. And the last point I will mention is through the help of the Holy Spirit. You cannot defend the name of Jesus if you are not, if you don't have the Holy Spirit. But the truth is, the day we became Christians and surrender our lives to Jesus. Holy Spirit is one of the biggest gifts that we received. So, in us, Holy Spirit indwells. But do we really put him into active use? 
there is one thing, it is one thing for Holy Spirit to be in us. It is another thing to actively engage the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit can be redundant in somebody. You don't engage him, he also not engage you. He'll just be looking at you. So it is what we engage that also helps us. So we must stay close to the owner of the name, which is Jesus. Lastly, what are the benefits or rewards for defending the name of Jesus? The first point I'll mention is we are key stakeholders in the business of God. As Christians, as faithful witnesses, as defenders of the name of Jesus, we are key stakeholders in the business of God. And you know, the truth is, there are different stakeholders. There are ordinary stakeholders, there are preference. Just like in finance, there's something we call um, ordinary shareholders and um, preference shareholders. They are different. So, preference shareholders have fixed dividends that you get, regardless of whatever the company makes. They get their fixed dividends. But ordinary shareholders, we only get profits if the company makes profits. Yes. So, ordinary, we only get dividends if the company makes. You can't come and tell the company to pay dividends when they are making losses. But preference, um, preference shareholders, either you make loss or not, it is fixed. They get their fixed dividends every year. And one, of, one thing, again, is when, um, when a company collapses, before shareholders will even think of getting anything from that company at all, preference shareholders would have gotten something. So, there are levels to this thing. And I would like us to be a preference stakeholders in the business of God. Not ordinary. A preference stakeholder in the business. So, when we defend the name of Jesus, when we are um, defenders and faithful witnesses, we are key stakeholders in the business of God. Second point is, through us, the name of Jesus is being glorified. First Peter 4.14. Quickly. First Peter 4.14. I'm rounding up now. If you are there, please, you can read for us. First Peter 4.14. On our part, is glorified. On their part, is evil. Because they don't know. But on your path, when you witness to people, when you defend the name of Jesus through our lifestyle, through our evangelism, through whatever means that we are defending Jesus, we are glorifying the name of Jesus. So Jesus is being glorified through us. So we are important vessels to the glorification of Jesus. And the final point I will mention is you have the right to the eternal kingdom of God. So, we have the right to the eternal kingdom of God. We are stakeholders in the business of God. And 
heaven is 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 just is just like the icing on the cake. Because I believe so much in um enjoying this world and enjoying the world to come. You know, in this world we'll be rich, we'll be rich. That one is very sure. But attention should not be on we being rich. Attention should be on what can we do for the sake of the kingdom of God. Wealth is, like I mentioned initially, wealth is an additive to the things that we get from God. Wealth is not, is not the number one. There are things that would, that would come normally when we take the things of God, the business of God as priority. And I pray that the Lord will bless us in the name of Jesus. In conclusion, I said God is looking for capable men to undo his assignments. Men that will not place conditions on their willingness to have God use them. Again, men that will not place conditions on their willingness to have God use them. We all have the potentials to um, to influence people for God, to use whatever gifts, whatever talents, whatever resources God has given us. We all have that potential to influence people for God and we must generously and responsibly use all that God has deposited in us. This, we are, we are, we are in a very serious time in the sense that um, we must also get involved in the revival of this time. One thing I know is in every generation there is a revival. In every generation there is a revival. In this generation we must be involved in the revival of this generation. Um, can we rise up as we pray? I believe that God has spoken one or two things to us this afternoon. Defending the name of Jesus, we all have one or two things to give to God. Our hearts, our lifestyle, our resources, our time, our witnessing for God. And we cannot, we cannot be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That is what the Bible says. We cannot be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You know, it was so funny yesterday that the, the little pastor came to me. I wasn't even intend, I didn't even intend to preach at all. The man just came to me and said, would you also take the mic? <laughs> I was like, okay. Immediately I undo the mic. I don't even know, I don't even know where those words were coming from. Luprado, Chatelia, Masan. I don't know what the words I was saying. After I finished, one woman came to me. One British old woman came to me. The woman said, good afternoon, sir. I said, good afternoon, ma. He said, I love your passion. I love... I, that one even motivated me. I said, oh, I will do more. <laughs> I said, I will do more. That woman came and said, good afternoon. I said, good afternoon, ma. I love your passion. I love the way. Please continue. 
I was like, ah, hey, you don't know anything in this place. I just want us to open our hearts to God this morning and just be open to every assignment that the Lord has committed into our hands. I don't know what God has spoken to us. I don't know what God has told us to do. I don't know the kind of assignments the Holy Spirit has laid in your hands, I mean, in your heart to do. I just want us to be open and be receptive to God. Tell God that you are ready to defend his name. That you will not, you will not waste the resources he has given you. And many times we don't even know that you can preach until you take that process. You don't even know that you can, you can witness to people until you take that boat. If you see the way I was happy yesterday, <laughs> I was, I was, I was very happy. Just, just pray that God, you would help me in the assignments that you've committed into my hands, in the projects that you've committed into my hands. Lord, I will not fail you. I believe you are praying.